the right thing to do. Let me encourage you as we approach the summertime. Uh, there's a mentality that uh, kind of creeps into society as a whole as uh, we approach summer, where people kind of uh, change their thinking a little bit, and there's a little bit of a more of a casual uh, attitude toward things. Let me encourage you to remain faithful, and uh, that would be it's you know it, it's if it's right to be faithful in January and February, then it's right to be faithful in June, July, and August, and uh, and so let me just encourage you. Keep the Lord first in everything that you do. If you have a, uh, an area of service, I just uh, uh, let's, let's not slack up just because the temperature rises. And, uh, and so just wanted to mention that. Luke chapter 5, if you have a Bible. Also, in the uh, bulletin this morning, there was uh, an insert uh, about summer soul winning saturation, speaking of summer. And uh, we take several weeks between uh, June, July, and August. And uh, on Thursday nights for our church-wide soul winning, we take a bus and we canvass uh, a couple of different areas of, or neighborhoods uh, in and around this area. And we uh, share the gospel, pass out gospel tracts. It's a, it's a wonderful time of fellowship. It's a great, uh, uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, there were two or three uh, Thursdays last summer where we had over 80 folks who were out knocking on doors on Thursday evenings. And that's a blessing. And, uh, and so I encourage you about that. Uh, there's a sign, there's a, a, a space there that says, I'll be faithful to Thursday night soul winning for the, uh, for the 10 weeks, June 2nd through August 18th, unless providentially hindered. And then there's also a couple of places there where if you'd like to volunteer to help with the children uh, once per month uh, during those times, you may. And then if you have children and you'll be bringing them, if you can let us know that, that will be a, a blessing as well. Luke chapter 5, let's stand please. For the reading of God's word and give you a chance to stretch a little bit. Luke chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 12. Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. The Bible says, And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing, according as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a, uh, went there a fame uh, abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. I want you to notice verse 16. It says, And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Verse 17, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And notice the last phrase, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Notice in verse 16, the Bible says, And Jesus withdrew himself and prayed. And at the end of verse 17, the Bible says that there was the power of the Lord was present I want to talk to you tonight, uh, this morning, rather, on this subject. It's time to take a step back. Just take a step back. And I believe you'll, it'll be apparent where we're going with this. Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments to uh, just set aside everything that would be a distraction and a hindrance to your spirit working in our hearts. Father, in Sunday school this morning, we gave some very practical lessons and instructions about, uh, about prayer and about uh, where to pray and how to pray and for whom to pray. And when to pray. But Father, I pray that in these next few moments you'll just instill in us the importance of prayer. 
and help us to see it uh, for what it is and, uh, and how uh, vital a, a, a role it plays in each of our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You can be seated. <coughs> As you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see a lot of activity. Jesus was a, a busy, busy person during his ministry here. In three and a half years, the volume of his work was just incredible. In fact, if you read the end of the book of John, you'll find that the Bible talks about if everything that Jesus did during his lifetime, all the books could not contain all of the works that Jesus accomplished in such a brief amount of time. Uh, what makes it more amazing is the fact that he did his work with the limitations of humanity, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you see, Jesus was the God-man. He was God in human form. He was 100% God, and yet he was, he was human at the same time. He took upon himself the limitations of this physical, frail humanity, but yet he was the Son of God at the same time. And so everything Jesus did, the Bible says, he accomplished it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he did that as an example to us. You know, it's easy to get wrapped up in the miracles themselves, but sometimes we miss the method and the means of how Jesus lived on this earth. He lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse number 11 tells us that that same Holy Spirit is available to each of us. The Bible says that if the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in your mortal bodies. In other words, hey, the same power that lifted Jesus out of that grave, the same power that allowed him to, to, to conquer death and hell and the grave is available in your life today. Hey, you don't have to live a defeated Christian life. You don't have to live beneath the circumstances. You don't have to, <coughs> you don't have to, uh, to, uh, to succumb to all of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the discouragements that, would, that this life would bring to you. I'm saying you can live the victorious Christian life, but it is not through your power, it's through his power. It's not through your means, it's not through your personality or, or my charisma or anything else. No, it's, it's not our ability. God works in my weakness. God works in my inability and, and, uh, and, uh, as much as I'm willing to yield myself to the Holy Spirit of God. So, uh, though he was God in the flesh, though he was uh, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the Bible says, though he was the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ wrapped his divine nature in human garments and chose to be one of us for a while. That's an, that's an amazing thought by itself. The fact that the God of the universe would choose to be one of us. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. The word Emmanuel means, literally means God with us. God became flesh. And one of the great examples <coughs> of, uh, that we should note from the life of our Lord is in his prayer life. You ever think about this? Why did Jesus need to pray? We talked about prayer in Sunday school this morning. Why was it important for Jesus to pray? You find many examples of Jesus praying throughout the Gospels. I think about Luke chapter 11 where the Bible says that, that the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why do you think the disciples came to Christ and said, Lord, teach us to pray? I, I just imagine that it's because they heard him pray. Uh, wouldn't you like to have heard Christ pray? You know, I, uh, there's, if I could go back in time and, and, uh, and, and be with the disciples and, and, uh, and see what they saw and hear what they heard, <clears throat> I would love to have heard Jesus preach. 
And I would love to have heard Jesus pray. And the disciples, after hearing Christ pray, they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples? And if it was important for him to pray, then how much more is it important for us to pray? If it was important for Jesus to get alone with his heavenly father, if it was important for him <coughs> to, uh, to take time away from his busy schedule, by the way, there was, nobody, there was no one any more busy than Christ. Uh, all the things that he did, and yet the Bible says that he withdrew himself here in this passage. The Bible says he would get up early many times. He would, uh, he would stay up late. Sometimes he would pray all night, and, but he found time. He made the time to talk to his Heavenly Father. Everybody listen to me very carefully this morning. If it was important for the Son of God to talk to his Heavenly Father, how much more is it important for you and me? In Luke chapter 5 and verse number 16, the Bible says, And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus saw the need to take a step back, if you will, from the hustle and bustle of his incredibly busy schedule and pray. And this morning, we need to take a step back every now and then. You know, you get so busy in this life, and boy, you're, uh, everyone has the same amount of time. Everyone has 168 hours in, in, in their week, and, and some of that time, obviously, you, you, have, to, you have to sleep. <laughs> Some of you got, you know, some of you, you make up for lost time in church, and that's okay. But uh, you, you have to sleep, and you have to eat, and you have to go to work and provide for your family. There's, there's many things that demand your time. But wait a minute, all of us have the same amount of time as far as our schedule is concerned. But yet, here's Jesus, the Son of God. He made the time to pray. How many of us have said, I'm just too busy? I'm just too busy. I don't, Pastor, I just don't have the time to spend with the Lord. Are you busier than Christ was? I doubt it. Uh, so every now and then we need to just step back and say, hey, time out. I'm going to make the time to spend with my God. It's so important. And this morning I want you to see uh, some, uh, some interesting things about this. I want you to see, first of all, as we begin the message, number one, the needs of the people. Look at chapter 5 and verse number 12. We began reading here a few moments ago. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. This man, the Bible says, was full of leprosy, was just one example of the needs that Jesus faced every day. This man was counting on Jesus to heal him, or there would be no healing. Think about it. Here's this man. The Bible says he's full of leprosy. In the Bible days, if you had leprosy, it was a death sentence. There was no cure for leprosy. There was no, uh, you know, every now and then there'd be miracles performed where someone would be healed. And, of course, Jesus uh, did those firsthand in many cases. But uh, by and large, if you got leprosy, that was, that was it. No one wanted to hear the word leprosy. And the Bible says this man was full of leprosy. He was counting on Christ to heal him or there was going to be no healing. He was going to die. And I want you to see the twofold application to this point. <clears throat> God is the only hope we have and that ought to drive us to our knees. The only hope this man had was God. Can I tell you something this morning? The only hope you have is God. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. The only hope you have of heaven is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And may I say to all the rest of us who are saved, if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, your, your salvation has been settled. The only hope we have of, uh, of living for God, the only hope we have of making a difference in the life of anyone is God. We've got to have it. 
you know, how, how arrogant is it for us to spend a day thinking that we can do anything in our own strength? John chapter 15, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Means nothing. <laughs> That's pretty all-encompassing right there. Jesus said, you, you can't do anything without me, fellas. How arrogant is it, is it for us, those of us who name the name of Christ, to think that we can teach a Sunday school without him, to, teach, to think that we can preach a message without him, to think that we can run a bus without him, to think that we can have a happy home or a good marriage without him, to think that we can rear godly kids without him. How arrogant, how pompous, how prideful is it for us to go day after day, week after week, and ignore the God of the universe that's available to empowers. He said, the needs of the people. God is the only hope we have, and that ought to drive us to our needs. And then the other application is this. Others who need the Lord are looking to us for help, and that ought to drive us to our needs. <clears throat> you understand something? Somebody is counting on you. Somebody's counting on you. Uh, it could be, in some cases, it's a child. Your own children. Uh, in some cases, it's a friend or maybe even a co-worker. <clears throat> Somebody is counting on you to influence them for, for good and for God. Well, let's take just a matter of parenting, for example. You know what an awesome responsibility that is? And what a, it's mind-boggling. I mean, God has put a little child... Or two, or three, or four, or five, <laughs> or six, or 17. Uh, <clears throat> but God has put children in your home. They're not yours. We, we've chronicled that many times. The Bible says children are heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. But, you know, what an awesome responsibility. You know, we'll have uh, graduation here on Tuesday night, and I hope that uh, I hope you'll be here. Boy, it'll be a, a blessed time, and 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 uh, and of course, graduation. We sometimes we look at that as the end of something, but r the reality is, it's just the beginning of something. Right. It's just the beginning. And, and, and you know, in uh, in a sense, you know, you you take the training wheels off when that when that child leaves your house, and and I know that the, my thought process is for for several months, and even the last couple of years is. God, what have I missed? What have I missed? What have I not taught? What have we not instilled in him? What have we not given him? What tools are missing from his toolbox that he's going to need in life? Hey, I'm simply saying, whatever tools you give, you can't do it without God. You can't do it without God. Have you ever, has it ever dawned on you that someone is counting on you? Hey, I'm talking about, uh, 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 in some cases, a total stranger may be counting on you. I think about Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John were going into the temple there at the hour of prayer, the Bible says. And a, a, a beggar came to him and uh, he was asking alms of Peter and John. And Peter said, uh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hey, that stranger was asking something of Peter. And Peter said, hey, I don't have what you need, but he does. And you know what? Strangers all around this area need something from us. They need to see a beacon in a dark night. They need to see somebody who has the answer. They need to talk to somebody who can point the way to Jesus Christ. And you know what? We need to be uh, uh, cognizant of that. We need to be sensitive to that. But we also need to be sensitive to the fact that we can't help them without God. You can't help yourself without God. 
let alone someone else. I'm simply saying the needs of the people. What an awesome responsibility. I need God. Number two, I want you to see the nature of his problem. The nature of his problem. This man's condition was about as bad as it could be. Leprosy, as I said a moment ago, was a death sentence. He came to Jesus looking for something. He came to Jesus looking for healing. He came to Jesus to be made whole. Every Sunday, I'm reminded that people come into these doors and they're looking for help. They're looking for help. If we were to go around the auditorium this morning, we don't have the time to do so, but, and neither would we want to embarrass anyone or, or, or put anyone on the spot unnecessarily, but if we took the time to go around and speak with everybody and you were honest and transparent about your problem this morning, your heartache, your burden, we would be amazed. We'd be shocked. There are all kinds of needs represented here. Hurting hearts and heavy hearts and bitter hearts, desperate hearts, lonely hearts. And may I remind all of us this morning of the fact that Jesus has the answer to whatever it is your need is. Isn't it amazing how Jesus can meet the needs, such a vast variety of needs, with the same message? Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit ministers grace to your specific set of circumstances in a way that no one else can. And the person sitting next to you has a whole different uh, uh, set of problems, a whole different set of circumstances, and the Holy Spirit can at the same time minister grace that he or she needs. Isn't God good? Isn't that that a wonderful thing? But I am simply saying (coughs) the needs uh, of this people, or the the needs of this man were, were incredible. The nature of his problems were unbelievable. It matters not what the severity of your problem is. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. You say, oh, but pastor, I've made a mess of my life. I'm here this morning, and, and man, I'm, I, I'm new to church. I, I'm, perhaps you're a guest. Perhaps you've only been coming for just a, a brief time. But perhaps your story is, uh, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. <clears throat> I don't think God could help me because I've really made a mess of things. Can I tell you something? God's never seen a mess that he couldn't clean up. Amen. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm bitter and I'm angry at God even. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm, I'm, I'm mad at God himself today, preacher. Surely there's no help for me. Oh, there's help for you. You say, preacher, I'm discouraged and I don't know where to go or who to turn to. You say, preacher, I'm in the valley of decision and I don't know what to do. Hey, I've got good news. God has never looked at a problem and said, "Mm, you know, I think that's too complicated. (laughs) God has never looked at a situation and said, you know, I don't think I can handle that one. (laughs) You know, God has never said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Now, if you hear "Uh uh-oh in certain situations, that's a bad sign. If your barber says, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. (laughs) If your surgeon says, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. (laughs) Uh, But God's never said, "Uh uh-oh. Did it ever occur to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? He's got everything under control, and if we'll simply yield our lives to him, if we'll give our mess to him, if we'll give him our bitterness, if we'll give him our problems, if we'll, if we'll bring our, our, our heartaches, our burdens, our, our discouragement, if we'll bring it to him, he's got the answer in his book right here. Hey, he can help us. How foolish it is for us to think we can go through and try to solve things on our own. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? Pray. 
did you think to pray? Did it ever dawn on you that nothing ever dawned on God? Did it ever dawn on you that he has the answer to meet the needs that you face? Why do we not pray? How foolish is that? Why do we go day after day and just ignore God? Give him the silent treatment? <laughs> kid came to me several years ago. He said, uh, he's, he's in the youth group, and he said, uh, Brother Kevin, I'm giving you the ST from now on. I said, ST? What are you talking about? Sounds like a disease or something. <clears throat> and uh, ST, you know what ST is. Uh, what is ST? Silent treatment. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought, <clears throat> coming the, the, the person that came from, I'm thinking, is that a promise? Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, I'm giving you the silent treatment. You know, we're guilty of sometimes giving God the silent treatment. We go day after day after day with needs, with heartaches, with burdens, with loads that we carry, and yet we ignore the one who can help us. How foolish is that? How foolish is that? I want you to see not only the, the, uh, the problem, the nature of the problem, the needs of the people, but number three, I want you to see this, the news of the productivity. The news of the productivity. Look at verse 15, if you will, Luke chapter 5 and verse number 15. The Bible says, But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. As word got out about the miracles of Jesus, great crowds came. Multitudes of people came. And that meant more needs. Can I tell you something? More people equals more needs. More people equals more problems. More people equals more heartaches. You know, as our church grows, uh, the needs are more. <clears throat> that means we need to be even more yielded to him and more sensitive uh, to his leading in our life. More sick folks, more needy people. Hey, guess what? That created a greater need to pray. And here's where many of us get sidetracked, okay? Here, here's where it is. I believe I mentioned this in Sunday school a little while ago, but our lives get so busy, our schedule becomes so hectic that one of the first things that we neglect is the thing that we can least afford to neglect. Here's Jesus. The multitudes were coming. More people come. More problems come, which means there's more demands on his time. <clears throat> and notice his reaction. Jesus, instead of being bogged down with all of the weight or the load or the schedule, what he does is simply this. Verse 16, it says, and he withdrew himself. As your life becomes more hectic, as your schedule becomes more filled, that means on purpose, you've got to take more time to pray. You've got to make sure that <clears throat> prayer is more of a priority the busier you get. Look, everybody goes, everybody goes through different seasons of life. If, and uh, many of you here this morning, you're, man, you're, you're, your life is just, I mean, it's crazy busy. I mean, it's 90 miles an hour. It's 24-7, 365. In fact, this year, 366. And uh, <clears throat> it's a leap year. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but the truth is, the truth is sometimes we get so busy that the first thing that we neglect is the thing that we can least afford to neglect. And that's time with God. Hey, you can't afford to miss prayer time. You can't afford to give God the silent treatment. You can't afford to just get too busy. You can't afford to be so pressed for time that you neglect your prayer closet. Hey, prayer is our first resource, not our last resort. Don't miss that. So many Christians treat prayer as a 911 call. So many Christians treat prayer as a, uh, as in, in case of fire, 
break. <laughs> it's a fire extinguisher. It's, a, it's a, in case of an emergency. Hey, it's the 911 call that says, hey, God, I'm in trouble. Can you help me? Hey, God is more than willing to help you in your time of trouble. But that, that, that ought not be the only time he hears from you. Prayer is our first resource, not our last resort. Well, we've got to grab a hold of that. We've got to understand that. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? John Wesley said, the busier I get, the more I must pray. The busier I get, the more I must pray. Notice Jesus' response to the busier schedule. He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. If you will, he took a step back. He took a step back. Many, many folks in this room this morning, you need to, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying get rid of your schedule. I'm not saying back off and what you, in most cases, we don't have any choice. There's things we have to get done. I'm saying include God. I'm saying take a step back from the busyness and say, God, I sure do need you. God, I've got to have your help. God, if you don't help me, there's not going to be any help. Jesus, again, he's, he's performing these miracles in the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. He has all those same time limitations that you and I have. He, he, he placed himself in that situation when he became a man. But I'm simply saying he understood the source of his power, his Heavenly Father, and the Spirit of God. Some of you are overwhelmed with life. Anybody here want to testify right now? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> So many of us, you're, hey, you're overwhelmed with life. Uh, you've got a job that you're trying to hold down, that you've got family that you've got to support, you've got kids, you've got the, the, the stress of everyday life, uh, everybody has the, uh, the burden of making ends meet financially. Everyone faces those same kinds of things, and if you're not careful, that, that overwhelmed feeling will cause you to neglect God. Hey, I love what David said in Psalm chapter 61, verse number 2. He said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Notice what he says, when my heart is overwhelmed... Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You see, your reaction to being overwhelmed determines your success or failure. David said, hey, when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. When I'm overwhelmed, God, I'm coming to you for help. Unfortunately, many of God's people, they're overwhelmed and they throw in the towel. They're overwhelmed, and their answer is, well, I guess I'm too busy. I need to cut out some church. <laughs> They're overwhelmed. Say, oh, well, I don't have time to pray because, hey, I'm overwhelmed. No, David said, hey, I'm overwhelmed. i got to run to God. i got to run to God because he's the one who can help me. He's the one who's going to be the source of strength. He's the one who's going to provide. He's the one who's my deliverer. He's the one who's the horn of my salvation. Hey, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What was David saying? It's time to step back. When I'm overwhelmed, time to step back, call a time out, so to speak. Say, God, I need you. God, you got to help me. Sometimes we limit our own productivity because we fail to make the time to pray when life gets crazy. And I want you to see the last thing we're done. Hey, we might even get out early today. No guarantees, but we might. The last thing, the nurturing of the power. The nurturing of the power. Look at verse number 17. Verse number 17, I like this a lot. Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Notice what it says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
The power of the Lord was present to heal them. The result of Jesus withdrawing himself to pray was the presence of God's power. Boy, how foolish are we? You understand something? God can accomplish much more than you or I could ever dream of accomplishing. (laughs) It's amazing what we try to do in our own strength. It's amazing how our pride sometimes gets in the way and says, God, I can do this all by myself. I've told you a story probably a couple of times now of, uh, uh, of years ago when I forget which one of the boys it was. It was either Timothy or Philip, but we're in the church parking lot and uh, one of them said, hey, daddy, can I drive? Hmm. And uh, can, can you drive? Yeah, I, I can drive this. Can I drive? I was like, okay. And so I'd set him in my lap there in the church parking lot, big church parking lot, and about the old uh, 10 acres or so. And so there's lots of room, open spaces, amen, and, uh, and very few light poles. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we, uh, uh, he, one of them, they, they'd sit in my lap, and I said, okay. I'd put it in drive. They'd grab a hold of the steering wheel, and I'd put my hands over their hands, and they'd start driving. And I'd let my, fa- my uh, foot off the brake <clears throat> and just let it kind of uh, coast a little bit. <clears throat> and then uh, they'd say, Daddy, I want to go faster. You want to go faster? Oh, yeah. Need for speed. Amen. It starts at an early age. But, uh, Daddy, I want to go faster. And so I give it just a little bit of gas, and they go, they go a little faster. And they say, I want to go faster. I know this fast enough. And, uh, <clears throat> and then, here it is. They turn around, and they say, you know, hands on the steering wheel. I'm watching where they're going, but they're not. And, Daddy, I want to do this by myself. I can do this by myself, Daddy. I can do it. You sure about that? Okay. All right. So I take my hands off, off of their hands. <clears throat> and man, they're, they're having a time. And everything's going well for a little bit. By the way, as soon as I took my hands off of their hands, I also took my foot off the gas. And, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but they're driving. They're tooling around the parking lot a little bit. And uh, inevitably, they turn around and he says... I'm doing good, aren't I, Daddy? I'm doing real good. And all of a sudden, the car is heading toward the, you know, the, uh, or the, the curb or the light pole or the dumpster or the building or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's time for Daddy to take the wheel again. That's the way we are. That's the way we are. Our attitude toward life is, God, I can do this all by myself. I don't need you. God, I got this under control. Hey, God, I know where I'm going. God, I've I, I, I got everything exactly where I want it, God. And then we make a mess out of things. We make, we, make, we make a mess out of things because we don't include him as we ought to. When we ought to step, take, a time, take some time and step back. Step back and say, God, I've got to have your help. I can't do this by myself. Jesus, you're right. Without you, I can do nothing. I wonder how, how much we forfeit because we fail to pray. I wonder what blessings we ignore or we miss out on because we don't pray. I wonder what power we go without because we don't pray. I wonder what needs go unmet because we don't pray. Hey, ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? You taught your Sunday school class this morning. Did you pray about it? Or did you say, God, I got this all by myself? <laughs> Hey, you went soul winning this week. Hey, wonderful. That's, you're to be commended for that. That's, a, that's the right thing to do. But did we go without God's power? Hey, you sang in the choir this morning and you sang beautifully, uh, beautifully, but did you do it in your own strength or in his strength? Something to think about. Hey, you're doing the best you can to make ends meet. You're doing everything you can to bring up those children that God has placed in your home in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Have you ever asked him for his help? I mean, they are his kids. 
hey, you're trying like everything to have the right kind of home and a, and a marriage that honors God and, and you're doing everything and, and maybe you read all the books and I'm not against that necessarily if it's the right kind of books on the home. But what I'm saying is, have you ever thought to stop, step back and say, God, would you help us have the right kind of home? Would you help my wife and I have the right kind of marriage? So important, so important. Take the time to step back in the busyness of life. Don't ever get so busy that you forget about him. Don't ever get so wrapped up in your schedule that you ignore him. Hey, here's another mistake people make. There are some folks, they try to get to heaven without God. And that just won't work. Some folks try to get to heaven on their own. And it's never happened, and it won't ever happen. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Hey, if you're going to get to heaven, heaven's a perfect place. And it's a perfect place for perfect people. Well, that presents a problem. <laughs> We're not perfect. But Jesus Christ is perfect. Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, came and died on the cross and was buried and rose again after three days so that you could go to heaven. How foolish would it be for you to try to make it to heaven all by yourself? No, you better step back and say, wait a minute. Jesus, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. I can't get to heaven by myself. I can't get one inch toward heaven by myself. It's all, it's all Christ and what he did for me, or it's eternity without him in hell. That's the reality. That's the reality. Maybe we should take a step back. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ, take a step back and look at your situation and understand that Jesus is your only hope for heaven. If you're here this morning and you are saved, you are going to heaven as a child of God, take a step back at you from your life and look at things and say, God, I've been trying to do this without you long enough and I refuse to go one more day because prayer will no longer be a last resort. It will be a first response. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.